And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Now they give it to Green. Green stutter step. He's through. First down, 40, 45, 50, 45, 40. Run, William, run. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. In the backfield, two receivers left, one right. Mayfield back to pass. Looks going towards the end zone, and it's caught by Donovan Peoples-Jones. Touchdown! He got it! He got it! The rookie from Michigan got it with 11 seconds left to go! Pumping once, now throwing long down the left side. Slaughter has it. He's going in for a touchdown! The problem won the game! <laughs> hey guys, this is Alex with the Top Dogs. Uh, this is not the way I wanted to start this uh, episode. Actually, this is a more of a uh, delayed episode. Um, I don't even know where to begin on this. Uh, I know you guys are probably wondering what's been going on with the pod. Um, And I wish I had, I wish we were doing this regularly. I wish everything was normal. Uh, But nothing right now in my life is normal. Uh, And you guys as listeners have a right to know what's going on. We recorded the episode you're about to hear two weeks ago. It was my intention to put it out that Monday, and I got sidetracked with work. Um, And I got sidetracked with what I was doing that week. Uh, That week, I was returning to my old high school uh, for alumni basketball game, um, well, tournament, uh, which actually we represented fairly well. Uh, not bad for a guy who was only the team manager. Uh, <laughs> but that week, um, I started thinking about my past, which if you've heard past explanations on this show of what's been going on in my life, it was probably the worst thing for me. And uh, a new repressed memory returned mill that week and I had denied it uh, all week that it had happened but it kept replaying over and over and over in my head and I ignored it that weekend up until that Sunday night and granted something was supposed to happen that didn't happen that kind of triggered the whole meltdown and uh the memory i had been denying wouldn't stop replaying in terms of the memory i'm not here to air what that memory is uh but I can tell you, and this is not easy, uh, 
in high school, I was sexually assaulted by that bully that I had mentioned a few weeks ago. Now, in the past one, I had only remembered a couple things. A lot more is coming clear. A lot more is coming back. And right now, I have been barely been able to smile in the last week. I have found little reason to smile. Uh, work, I'm barely getting by. Uh, it has been a week from hell. I haven't even spoken to my father in a week because of his reaction when I told him, and I've been so angry at his reaction that I'm not talking to him. Uh, and I'll eventually forgive him, but I am still so mad at telling him and my mother and him not having the reaction I wanted and needed him to have. It hurt. Now, I've told some of my closest friends uh, the details, and I am very fortunate that I have a support system that uh, I never had before. I have my brother, my brother from another mother, Anthony, uh, who I mentioned on the show, who we may eventually have on as a Lions fan guest. Probably should. He'd be awesome. Um, my uh, best friend slash sister, um, I'm not saying names beyond that because she's never been mentioned on this show, nor she probably never will be. Uh, unless if she's a guest one day, which she probably never will be, because she doesn't. This is not her area. <laughs> um, and then I have another best friend who's who I'm very close to. Who those three are getting me through it. Um, my work has arranged and helped me find. Uh, a therapist for this. Um, I don't start therapy until next month, though. It was the first opening they had, so I took it. Uh, I don't know when the pod's coming back. That It's the easiest answer I can give you. I don't know when it's coming back. We've hit 500 plays in less than 10 episodes, in about 10 episodes, which is ridiculous. And I did not want to stop the momentum. But I need to make sure I can keep doing this because the last time I wasn't mentally right in recording, I did really, really bad shows. And this, what I'm going through now, answers so many problems in my life. Why I don't trust people, why I don't feel confident when it comes to dating, why I constantly don't feel good enough of a person. 
because I had something taken away from me. I have all these issues I've never attacked because I buried it. And now they're back. I won't let them win this battle. But I have to attack it. And I'm sorry to all the fans of this pod. And I know we're going to end up losing listeners and we're going to have to start from ground zero all over again. I hope you guys can understand what's going on. Um, we're going to play the episode that uh, that we intended to give to you guys. And uh, consider this a, we'll see you down the road. Um, honestly, I hope Maybe Jack and I can record in a couple weeks because I feel bad we're abandoning um, that dog rescue event. I don't have it in front of me. I'm sorry. Um, I at least wanted, wanted to promote that because I feel like that's a great event. Um, and I wanted to at least promote it and have them on the show. I'm going to try to power through and do that because I made that offer and uh, I'd like to keep it because I normally am a man of my word uh, and I like to do good in the world. Unlike my bully. My bully was a terrible human being. I don't know when the pot's coming back. I wish I had an answer for you. But um, I really, really hope you guys are patient with us. And when we return, we'll be better than ever. I'll see you guys down the road. Hey, ho, and what do you know? Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Top Dogs Podcast. I am one half of the Top Dogs, Alex Hale, joined, as always, by my co-pilot, co-host, Jack McCurry. Jack, how are you? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Oh, I'm doing I'm doing okay. It was, uh, I mean, we know we talk about our rough weeks, and, uh, well, if we've had a rough week, I mean, two weeks, uh, last week it was the FU Cavs tour, uh, which... I have not forgotten still. And quite honestly, let's just put it this way. I think it may have worked in my benefit later on. Uh-oh. Oh my God. Did I, they really, I, I'm just going to say, you know, I said last week, you know, they, it, I, I'm going to make sure they know they screwed up. Oh, they've already screwed up. Oh Uh-oh. my God. Oh, it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> Jack, I can't wait to tell you off air what I, I, I may have told you in the DMs what, what was going on, actually. Uh, uh, the I thing remember, about next yeah. year, next year. Oh, yeah, be- yes, yes. Yes. See, Jack knows they've already messed up. Yep. And they're like, he's going like, oh, no. Uh, now it's happening. Yeah, it's happening. It's going to get those, those top dogs episodes are going to be very weird to do. Because I'm going to have to explain where I am and why I'm there. 
So the secret comes out. <laughs> well, so much for the blown cover. Uh, right. Anyways, uh, so this week, uh, we really were just going to do like a top 10 quarterbacks in Browns history. And then uh, bombs had to be dropped this morning as we're getting ready to record. Julio Jones is going to the Tennessee Titans. Wow. Um, we'll break that down. Uh, why I'm not really concerned about Tennessee in the slightest. Um, yes, it's not explosive offense, but there are factors no one's talking about. They're looking at it on paper, and I'm not even talking about Ryan Tannehill. Not at all. I'm talking about other factors no one's discussing, and they are very big factors uh, as to why they're a threat, but I don't think they're the threat in the AFC. They didn't jump the top contenders in the AFC. No. If, anything, I was... if anything, they just jumped Baltimore. That's it. Right. And uh, honestly, I'm fine with that. Absolutely. So... Uh, anyways, uh, Jack was though telling me before, uh, earlier today, he's like, Alex, you know how you rant sometimes? Well, I got a rant in me today. So, uh, you know, goose, I'm going to let you, uh, take the lead on this one. Uh, the plane is yours. Uh, say what you need to say, my friend. Alex, do you know what the definition is for voluntary? Yeah, it's voluntary is you don't have to do it. It's, if you want to do it, you do it. The, the, yeah, the official, you know, by um, Oxford languages is done, given, or acting of one's own free will. Yes. And, and it seems to me that some, whether it's fans, whether it's the media, have failed to understand the point of voluntary OTAs. We go back to last week. And first of all, to the 55 guys that showed up, kudos to you. To Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett, kudos to you. You guys are doing awesome. You're setting the tone on defense by being a leader and saying, hey, we got work to do. We're here. To the guys that didn't show up, and that's fine. That's all on you. You guys you guys are all working. I mean, you've seen the picture of Devian Clowney, right? Yeah. It was ripped. Yeah. I'm sure John Johnson, Troy Hill, all those guys that didn't come, they're working their ass. Baker off. looks great. Baker looks great to the media and more specifically Mike Florio of pro football talk old Mike old Mikey must have needed his clicks this morning Mary Kay reported that Baker and the boys are meeting up in Texas this week that's awesome it's her job she did it it wasn't a big deal when Mike Florio does it though and he says in the headline skipping out on OTAs we'll gather in Texas this week instead it seems like he's trying to stir shit up Shit that doesn't need to be stirred up. They are voluntary for a reason. These guys are choosing to work away from the facility and risking millions of dollars to work on their own time. That's okay. That's their right. That was what is negotiated in the collective bargaining agreement. And I feel like, Alex, that the offense wasn't going to show up until it was mandatory because they are side-by-side -side with J.C. Trotter, who's the president of the NFLPA. Yeah. Like they're going to side with him. The offensive line has been working four or five times a week. Cameron justice from new channel five reported that last week. That's great. Everybody's working. It's not like they're sitting at home being lazy. I if guarantee, were sitting I guarantee you they've had some form of communication with the coaching staff of ideas of what they could do on their own uh, workouts. Like I could, when I, and I'm just going to kind of build on to that. If I'm doing something on my own, 
I'm going to give you an example from my job. When I was furloughed, I asked my boss, what can I be working on in the process? I did not have to work, but yet I chose to work on things away from the office that they wanted me to work on. That's what I did. I got better at it and I became better for it. And I can guarantee you the Browns players through some form of communication at these meetings they've had have probably talked to coach Stefanski and said, what do you want us to be working on? Is there anything specific? Because there's nothing illegal about that. Exactly. Talk with your coach and say, Hey, we're not showing up to this, but what would you like us to be working on? Is there anything specific you want us to be working on to be prepared for, for when training camp is because good teams will do that. Exactly. And I am pretty sure, and I'm not going to don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure they're still showing up for the classroom stuff. Like they're going, they're doing that. They're just not going. They're showing it on building the Browns. Exactly. Like you see the video, they'll show the zoom with all the little uh, boxes. So I saw Baker in there. I saw Odell. I saw Chubb. I saw Hunt. I saw everybody. Because they're not in Berea, it's a big deal. It shouldn't be a big deal. This happens every year. It, go back two years ago. Odell Beckham didn't come for. Jesus, um, Tony. Yeah. Like every year, it's a big deal because they didn't show up for voluntary workouts. It says right there, voluntary. Guess what? In two weeks, or it's, it's either, you no, know, next week, mandatory minicamp, a guarantee. All 90 players are there, even Odell Beckham, who isn't even, I don't even know if he's cleared to do on-team drills yet, even though looking at Instagram, that dude looks like he's ready to go out on the field and do some drills. All the guys are going to show up because, A, they're not going to get fined, and B, because that's when they need to be there. Yes. But they're working their asses off. Baker looks awesome. Nick Chubb, without, it looks like effort, uh, 375-pound lift. I forget the name of the lift exactly, but like, and then you see Miles Garrett, you see Clowney, all these guys are putting the work in. So even if they're at the Berea facility or they're not, I don't think we have anything to worry about. There's nothing to worry. The about. only guy I'm worried about shit. The only guy I'm worried about looking at the photos from OTAs, Andrew Billings looks like he got a little beefier. Yeah. And I know he sat out last year, but why do you think they're probably still talking to Sheldon Richardson? Oh, they are. Mary Kay said he said Sunday morning. They They, probably saw Billings. They probably saw Billings and they were like, Sheldon, uh, we may need to talk. Yeah. And And I think, but I think regardless of the Andrew Billings, like how he looks and like, leave it to me. I'm not going to judge anybody on how they look. But uh, then again, Ted Washington played like a mammoth of a human. Yeah, he was like 393. Yeah, so it doesn't really matter in the. Yeah, but Sheldon Richardson, I think, has been in contact with the Browns since he got released. And I think the door has always been open. Mary Kay confirmed it Sunday morning in her uh, latest report. I would expect at this point, unless Richardson gets pulled away from another team, I think he's going to be with the Browns when camp opens. I'm just, I think so too. That's my hot take of the week. Well, I think mine is going to be, I think Billings just by looking at him, like, is he good? Like, is he still even in shape? Because I think very quickly, the Browns are this type of team. If you aren't in shape, if you aren't ready, you are out. Yeah. And I think Andrew Billings could be cut before training camp to bring in 
Sheldon Richardson. It, it because, could very well happen. It, because at that point, no one's the wiser. You're probably getting Richardson for the same money with a big bonus to not affect the cap as much. So you're going to have a lower base, higher bonus, and it's a one-year deal. So no one's the wiser at the end of the day. It's just Billings didn't come in the camp in, in shape. Sorry, it didn't work out. We got to let you go. Sheldon's ready to go. And he knows the system. He's going to train the kids and let's get to work. And yeah. if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. Is it the way I'd prefer it to be? Cause I like Sheldon Richardson on this defense. Yes. That's the way I prefer it. But for now, give Billings a shot, but I'm yeah. not, I'm not here to knock on him. It's just more of, that's my hot take of, you know, I think Billings is going to get cut for Sheldon Richardson. It, it could very well happen, but he, you know, at the same time, Billings wasn't with the team last year. Maybe they get him on a plan. They got seven weeks till camp. Maybe he can get into, and he can get into shape. In oh yeah. Weeks. Any these athletes can get into any kind yeah. of shape. Here. He just looks a little beefier than he did in his Cincinnati days. And maybe it was a camera angle or something. So maybe, maybe we're just, maybe it was Photoshopped like Max, Mac Wilson's arms. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but before we wrap things up on, you know, the OTA talk, there was there was one quarterback in last week, and it was Kyle Laletta, who was with the practice squad, I think, last year. Yes, he was. Futures deal. So somebody on Twitter who, you know, I'm not going to throw stones at people. I'm not going to call him out by name. The guy said, oh, well, Kyle Laletta showed up, and Case Keenum didn't. So I feel like Case Keenum is – his spot's in danger this year. Case Keenum – Who's that coach again? Kevin Stefanski. Who coached him in Minnesota? Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, his spot's not in danger, you dumb dumb. Yeah, maybe not this year. Next if year, any, for if sure. anything, if Laletta takes the next up, you want to hear a really hot take? Kyle a really Laletta's hot take the is quarterback next year. No, Laletta is the backup quarterback because a team calls the Browns for Case yeah. Keenum and gives a fair offer of maybe like a third round pick. And Andrew Barry says to coach, hey, I got to take this deal. Like I trust Baker to be the guy. Well, yeah. And Stefanski will go like, I love case. And in a worst case scenario, I would trust him, but you're right. We got to take the deal and you get an extra third. Yeah. And that's not out of the maybe the Packers, maybe the Packers come calling for case Keenum. That's a definite possibility. If they trade him now, it's only a $1.3 million dead cap in each of the next two years. That's the only way. Jordan Love's going to need a backup. He will. <laughs> but, like, they're not getting rid of Keenum now. No, he's got, no. He's got – you cut him now, that's $5.8 unless, unless Denver is, is sure that he's the franchise QB again mm. and gives us a first-round pick. Now, <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's talk, but, Denver. I think that was just an, uh, an outrageous take and it was something like oh, Florio just to get clicks, just to get attention. Like it's OTA. Week. Well, that's, I know that's content. social media for you. Yeah. And, and like, that's what radio has become because radio is a dying breed uh, to podcasts. Uh, not like ourselves. I mean, like ours has done fairly well for what it is. Um, and again, thank you guys. I mean, I don't even know how we've hit 410 episodes and I'm, 410 plays 10 yeah it, it, it's crazy what we have um never thought it would happen in a million years but building off of that 
everything is about hot takes. Everything yeah. is about what gets you clickbait. And it, it could be for a guest. It could be for something crazy. I mean, like, for example, I'll, I'll give you this. The um, uh, Dan Lebetard show, the free dumb stream, which was amazing, by the way. Oh, my God, that was great. They basically, again, they were like, we'll eat the hottest pepper in the world. Like one of them said, if we raise $90,000 for ALS, they did. And apparently the radio station got so mad that they were going to do this. And it was a female that agreed she'd do it. But they said, well, it looks like they're pressuring her. And she said, no, they're not. I made a deal. Like I said, if it hit 90,000, I was going to do it. And apparently, like, the station threatened, we'll cut all your paychecks for this event. And, uh, you know, if you do it. And she ended up doing it, which the reaction was priceless. But it's those kinds of things, whether it's something outrageous like that, whether it's, you know, Baker Mayfield isn't in Cleveland. Why is he in Texas gathering the team? Um, it could be Aaron Rodgers has divided the fan base up in Green Bay, blah, 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 blah. That's all it is nowadays. And number one, I, I've always said with this pod, that's why we do hot take of the week because it's for fun. Yeah. And we don't take it seriously. We want to talk facts. We want to talk about real opinions on this show, but in terms of like a bar talk setting. And again, it may not be the show everybody wants. Everybody in today's world wants this, you know, reaction-like stuff. And I used to be that way, way back in the day. I I mean, like, my favorite segment was Everything You Know Is Wrong with, you know, the Weird Al Yankovic song and everything playing in the background. And it was hilarious. We had fun with it. But I would bring up stats nobody knew, and I would say, you think this is right, but you are wrong. I'm literally attacking the, the audience's, you know, intelligence. Will I do it here eventually? Maybe. We'll see. Um, but it was better in a live setting because I would get calls going like, you don't know anything. It was like, rest in peace, Stan the Man. But it'd be like a Stan the Man like thing going like, I've been a Browns fan for 40 years and you don't know anything. You didn't see Bernie Kosar throw the football, the Webster slaughter, Ozzy Newsome, Reggie Langhorn. That, Bernie was the man. Bernie, Bernie. Oh yeah. How you can throw that. That was, those were the people that would call my show and tell me I'm stupid. I'm like, well, can you debate this fact, this fact, and this fact? They couldn't, but it was getting reactions out of them because I'm insulting their intelligence. That's what today's media is. It insults your intelligence. And we as a society that lives off of just generic sports takes. And Caitlin Marshall's right on the money with this. Put out a generic sports take and watch it get ratioed. Watch it. Tweet out LeBron James is a bum bleep bleep. And you will get ratioed. You could put something that says LeBron James has never, 
you know, been bounced out of the first round of the playoffs until this year. That's 18 years. And you can say, you know, I don't know if Michael Jordan ever did get bounced in the first round. I don't think he ever did. Many but, times. Okay. I didn't know for sure. Yeah. Like pre pre Pippen. Okay. Like the first three so or four years. There you yeah. go. You could bring up that stat. And I'm not saying who's better here. I'm not starting that stupid debate. There is no debate. We all know who's better. M- Michael. But Shut you up. know, it's Michael. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, it's Michael. Uh anyways. Uh I'm just saying. I know. Uh but in terms of that, I could bring up LeBron James until this year never got bounced out of the first round. Michael did. So therefore LeBron's better. That's a legitimate take. Granted, is it a generic sports take? Yes, but that's not going to get ratioed. The more ratioed tweet is going to be LeBron James is a bum bleep bleep. That, that is what we live in. So what a Florio does works. He gets paid to get clicks for his website. The best option I can give to people, unfollow Florio. Mute don't him. read don't read their crap. I don't read 90% of articles nowadays. I just don't. It's a waste of my time. Tony Grossi, Mary Kay Cabot, uh uh Reuter, uh Daryl Reuter or whatever. Um I, I don't read them, period. The most I do in terms of radio and media in Cleveland. It's Ken Carmen. That's all I listen to. And the only reason I listen to Ken is, and again, I would die to get Ken on this show. And he, by the way, shameless plug, friend of show, Andy Cleaves, not the same old Browns podcast, had an amazing interview with Ken. Uh, please check it out. Um, but with Ken, he doesn't take it seriously. Everyone else in this city does. That is why Ken is beloved. He doesn't take it seriously. He just enjoys what he's doing. He gives you his opinion. If you don't agree with it, tough shit. Ken's the one sitting in the chair. You're not. I mean, I don't know what to, I mean, like you listen to everyone else. Love you, Emmett. Love you. You do. You are starting to take it seriously. Emmett never did. Gerard never did. He kind of does now. Anyone else, like those are the only two I could think of that might not take it seriously. Maybe Chico, but Chico's more laid back, you know? So, I mean, and he's on like at the worst time for radio. And I feel bad for the guy because he's better than that. But like Bull and Fox, great show. Don't get me wrong. They take things personally. Oh, yeah. They take things very personally. Baskin and Phelps, they take it personally. The really big, oh, my God. Aaron Goldhammer searches his name on Twitter and blocks people who talk shit about him. I mean, that's how I got blocked. I didn't even add him. Right. And he just blocked me. Well, how do you think I got blocked by Mac Wilson? I never I never mentioned him. And, 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 and that's the difference between radio today and not everything is about clicks everything is about who says good things about me and my hot takes and all due respect i'm gonna get flack for this one uh dale in cleveland 
he should not be on ESPN Cleveland, period, period. He got that job by kissing Rizzo and Hammer's ass. You put in the grind. I'll give you that. Like he went to school and got his, you know, I'll give him that. But that's only because he had a guarantee from them because he kissed their ass for years. Yep. If he was, I was told, and you want to, I'm going to, I'm going to out him. I'm going to out him because I don't care. You know who one of my friends is? Sam Pines. One of the head honchos. Sam's not going to like, I brought up his name, but Sam and I haven't talked in a couple of years because he burned the bridge. Sam enjoyed my stuff and he loved when I was on three deep and will will burge i want to get him on here to confirm this will had me on monthly for a reason they liked me they wanted me to come on board sam was trying to get that done and then all the cuts happened that big purge and it was all bad um but he had me on monthly will had me on monthly to talk and before he was fired, we were planning a fourth month in a row for me to come in studio to promote my show and give my takes. Four months in a row, I was going to be on ESPN Cleveland. And then he got cut. That's how serious it was at one point. And I, and basically all Sam told me was, just keep coming in, do do your work, and you will make it. Jack, I've been doing this for a decade. Yeah. A decade. I have interviewed, and again, I don't like bragging. I've interviewed Seth Rollins. I've interviewed Greg Pruitt. I've interviewed Felix Wright, uh, Webster Slaughter, uh, Craig Elo, which that was one of my most fun interviews because I had the gall to tell him, you did everything right on that Michael Jordan play. It's just Michael Jordan. And I had everybody going, what are you doing? I said, Craig deserves to hear it, honestly. There's nothing more he could have done. Hand right. was in the face. <laughs> I couldn't have done it any better. Right. Mark Shapiro, numerous times. Mark loved coming on my show. I was his final interview in Cleveland. The list goes on and on. I actually was part of the press corps for the Indians once. And TJ Zuppi took me under his wing for a day. And it gave me the gall to talk to Nick Swisher and interview him privately. My first day. I know Nick Swisher, nothing to brag about, but like still at that time, he was a big name in Cleveland. You don't just walk up to him your first day and say, hi, Nick, can I interview you and ask you to be an opening for my radio show? I did it and he did anyways. 10 years. And I'm just going to say this. The way to make it in radio, and again, we'll finish this up, and this is my adding on to the tangent. I have people who have asked me, Alex, what does it take to make it? And I have people who ask me to rate their podcasts. I know uh, uh, Brandon Dibel, uh, he, he listens to us religiously. Appreciate you, dude. I've listened to the show. I have critiqued him privately. Here's what I say to people who want to get into the business. You can't take it seriously. You can't take yourself seriously because you're never going to make it. You, you have to sell your soul so much to make it. Dale in Cleveland is the ultimate example. He had to sell his soul 
to Aaron and Rizzo. And if anything is to happen to Aaron and Rizzo, he's out of a job. And I'm going to tell you something. He's okay. He's not that great. I've listened to him. He has okay takes. There's nothing special about Dale. He's just in our generic, you know, guy on the radio. And the guys like Oldak and all of them, they're hammer proteges. They're the Fontana, guys that kiss prime the- example. Oh, Fontana. God, I thought he was nice in person, but then he turned into such a douchebag. Yeah. Um, they're all hammer proteges. What happens when hammer is gone and Rizzo is gone? I'm just saying, if someone else owned the station, they'd fire a lot of these people for people that are cheaper and less experienced and maybe have a name running the station. That's the way media is. I will say this to end the take. If you can handle it and not take yourself seriously, get in the sports radio. We don't take ourselves seriously on the show. That's why like we're ranting about the media today. We don't care. We know we have a loyal fan base already, which we really, really, really appreciate you. Like, again, I'm still blown away by it. Absolutely. Um, consistently hitting a goal every week that Jack and I want to hit. And again, just props to all of you uh, for even just giving the show a chance and enjoying it. And for me, it's just, when I came back, I said, I can't take it seriously anymore. I can't, which is why I become more, you know, open to mentoring people and open to telling people what it takes. And I'm just going to tell you, if you can't do what I said, which is don't take yourself seriously and sell your soul, you can make it that way. But if you can't do that, don't even get started in the first place. Just stick to tweeting BS on Twitter. That's the best advice I can give you. And yep. with that, that's our end of our rant about the media. Um, so moving on, uh, we got to talk some football. So Julio Jones, oh my, uh, what a deal for Tennessee, giving up practically nothing for one of the best receivers in football to pair with A.J. Brown for Ryan Tannehill, who has some of the best numbers the past two seasons by quarterback uh, to put with the best running back in football right now in Derrick Henry, arguably. Oh, that'll ruffle some feather, feather down. <laughs> what? Oh, boy. <laughs> What's your hot take here? No, what you just said. You said, oh. I said, you're going to ruffle the feather. Oh, well, well, Nick Chubb's great, but statistically, he, statistically, he, we have to say it. Newsflash, everybody. Derrick Henry ran for 2,000 yards this past season. He's the best running back in football. He sends defenders to the shadow realm with a stiff arm. Yes. Literally to the shadow realm. Literally. I've where, never seen where it. Where has Earl Thomas been since that? <laughs> He's got like the millennium rod in his, in his arm. You are banished to the shadow realm. God. Sorry that I had to put a Yu-Gi-Oh take in there. I had to. <laughs> I love Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, and we're not going to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh today. Thank you, because I have no idea. <laughs> I play the dark magician. Oh, wait, no, 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 we're not doing it. We're not doing it. Uh, anyways, um, so with Julio Jones, uh, Jack, give us your instant reaction to it. Where do you think the Titans fall now in the AFC uh, after this trade? I mean, is a good deal for what they gave up. 
they only gave up a, a second and a fourth. They got a sixth back. I mean, you're adding Julio Jones, who granted is coming off an injury plague season. I think he only played at nine games, but he's still one of the best receivers of this generation. He's going to go in the Hall of Fame one day. You're pairing him up with A.J. Brown, who's one of the young emerging superstars at the wide receiver position into an offense that already has Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill, like you said, has put up some incredible numbers the last couple of years. Parallel with Patrick Mahomes. Now, I'm not saying Tannehill's on Mahomes' level, but when you look at the numbers, they're pretty close. When you look at Tennessee, they have a great offense. They're going to be right there in the thick of the AFC hunt with the Browns, with the Chiefs, with the Bills, with the Colts, with the Ravens, et cetera. The thing is, last year, 24th-ranked defense in terms of score. There's, their defense has some players, especially up front. Um, I think they had to – they made some moves in the secondary this in the offseason. Yep. Their defense is going to be what makes or breaks the year. They yep. could be a Super Bowl contender, but they could also be a first-round exit. I expect them to make the playoffs. You're looking oh, at the they're going to make the playoffs. That division it's, is just – Them and the Colts should shit. be the two teams going out of the South. And I don't trust Carson Wentz. Yeah, I mean, there is questions about Carson Wentz. The talent's there. Can he stay healthy? And I'm surprised the Colts didn't go get him. I'm surprised the Colts didn't. I'm glad you brought that up. That is a huge need for the Colts. And for a second and a fifth, when you know the the Titans are going after him, uh, that is an indictment on Ballard because I love T.Y. Hilton. I really do. Could you imagine Julio Jones and T.Y. Hilton running crazy with a – renewed rejuvenated Carson Wentz and Michael Pittman. I don't know how you feel about him. I like Michael Pittman. Yeah. I love him. And Put they got T.Y. Hilton in the slot and they, they have him Jonathan as a Taylor. slot vertical guy. Yeah. Like they need help with the receiver position and they didn't go get it. You, you spent all of this capital in Carson Wentz yeah. and you didn't go get him the best weapon he can possibly get in well, Julio Jones. I well, I mean, there, there are others. There are others. Aaron okay. Rodgers gets traded. What happens with Devontae Adams in Green Bay? Could they be waiting for Devontae Adams to become available? That, but again, you can't wait. True. You, true. you cannot wait in this league. So you're going to wait until the uh, trade deadline, which I think is like what week nine. Yeah. What if you're, what if you're at 500 or under 500 slightly under and the Titans are running away with the division. If I'm a Colts fan, I'm wondering why the hell, if I needed a wide receiver, why didn't we go get one? Exactly. I mean, that's a fair argument to make. You but, s- No, I'm just saying, if you're going to spend that much on Carson Wentz, which was what, a first-round pick on him? Uh, it could be. I mean, if he stays healthy, it would be a first-round pick. Yes. So, yeah. so let's say he, sit, he stays healthy but he plays like crap because you don't have a star wide receiver for him. Yeah. You, you will forever ask the question, why didn't we just go after Julio? Right. And I mean, and they could be, you know, banking on Doyle to come back from injury at tight end. They have Mo Ali Cox, who's a freak athlete at the tight end position. They could be hoping Paris Campbell finally breaks through, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Paris Campbell is the Curtis Samuel type, which Right. Frank Reich's offense could work, yeah. but again, you it just bugs me. You are wasting capital on a quarterback who needs to rebuild his confidence. Exactly. You need a number one receiver for him. 
and you failed to go get them a number one receiver. That is on the Colts. Now for the Titans, there is a factor we have not talked about. Who's the OC again? Ain't uh, Arthur Smith. I will tell he's you in Atlanta. Atlanta. Let me look it up. I'm actually looking at depth charts right now. So. Because I'm worried. I've been worried about this for the Titans, that Arthur Smith has been the reason this team has been as successful as it's been. And I think they went internally and made this higher, which totally acceptable. I mean, the way they've been going, but if it's a first year OC, that's picking up Arthur Smith's playbook, does he know how to run it the same way? Right. Is he going to run it, but is he going to throw the ball more now with Julio and AJ Brown? I mean, also you lost Johnu Smith, who was a huge, huge weapon for Ryan Tannehill over the middle. How are you replacing these little things that no one's talking about? Because again, this offense runs off of Derrick Henry. Oh, absolutely. I have just this sneaky feeling they're going to live and die with the pass game. And it's going to come to bite them in the butt early. And then they'll start running the ball. And then by the playoffs, they're going to be throwing it more. And that's when they get caught. That's the week they get caught by whoever it may be. So the offensive coordinator is Todd Downing. He's been an offensive coordinator before 2017. He was the Raiders offensive coordinator. He's had, you look at his track record. He was a QB coach with the Lions and Stafford's first few seasons in the league. Okay. QB coach with the Raiders. Um, he was the PFF QB coach of the year. Derek Carr had a Pro Bowl season, his first okay. year as a QB coach. And then recently he's been the tight ends coach with the Titans. So Okay. So he does have a history. He has a history, but is he running that same offense? Because if he even changes it in the slightest, it could affect Ryan Tannehill. The effectiveness of Ryan Tannehill, I've believed, and say what you want. I'm not a Ryan Tannehill hater. Every quarterback is a system quarterback. It's a matter of finding, being placed in that right system. I'll give you examples. Ryan Tannehill is one of them, obviously. Number two, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was in the correct offensive system from day one for him. And it's just worked out. Tom Brady, he played better as the season went on because he learned the system. Every QB has to learn it, but it gets to a point where if he's not running similar stuff that he's used to, he struggles. That's what happened with Brady. He was running more of Arian's system. He started implementing some of New England stuff with Arians, and that's how they won the Super Bowl. Every great quarterback knows what's working for them, and they incorporate it. Now, Ryan Tannehill could very much say, this is what I did, this is what we're going to do, and that's the way it's got to be, and that's why they're going to be successful. But if they don't do it, it could be a Freddie Kitchen scenario where he doesn't use what he has that works for him, and it takes away from his offense. 
Stefanski learned that from watching the Browns. He utilized what works. Now, do I think the Titans are going to be affected by this a lot? Not really, but it's a factor we have to keep an eye on. What is the new OC going to do? I think he's going to run the same system. and I, then, and then they should be fine. The Titans. But can they, he run it as efficiently as Arthur Smith? True. That is going to be a key factor. When they announced that he was taking over, they said they were talking about continuity with the system. So it makes mm-hmm. me think they're going to stay. Before Arthur Smith became OC of the Titans, he was the tight ends coach under Matt LaFleur. And they, according to Pro Football Reference, they ran the West Coast. Arthur Smith ran the West Coast. So maybe terminology would change, but I feel like it's the same system, So which makes me think, and I'm sure Tannehill has a say in this, they're probably going to keep this system. And, that, and that's good for Tennessee, and that's great for the offense. And you know that, the saying, if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it. it. And the Titans offense hasn't been broken. Exactly. So that's why I, I still think their offense is going to be great. Don't get oh, me wrong. They're, they're off. Okay, let's put it this way, Alex. They, they lost Corey Davis, and they added Julio Jones. They did lose Jonu Smith. Taylor Lewan was talking up Anthony Ferkser. Maybe he's not as great as Jonu Smith, but he knows the system. Yeah. And he's a big boy, so he could – He's not going to, no one's well, going to replace Johnu Smith because Johnu Smith is one of the top tight ends in the league. Yeah. But when you got a guy that knows the system, you would have. And to that's think key. That- and that is the key. I think your point is extremely valid. Their defense was iffy last year. The Browns went crazy on them. And they overpaid for Bud Dupree, which is, yeah. And Bud Dupree is an okay pass rusher. For what they're paying him, not worth it. Right. I think Harold Landry is worth that. Yeah. Not Bud Dupree. Right. So now when Harold Landry's contract is going to be coming up, you're going to have to cut someone else to make sure you keep Harold Landry. Yeah. Or you better hope that contract of Bud Dupree's is, has an out somewhere where you can pay Landry and cut Dupree. That's where the problem is with this team long-term. They better win it. Basically, you better win it this year. That's basically it. You yeah. have I mean, or else you're going to be paying way too many people. You're going to be paying AJ Brown. You're going to be paying probably Julio, Julio again. Julio. They have to restructure deals because they were only three million under the cap before they made the trade. Julio, they're taking on Julio Jones's entire salary this year, which is fifteen million. They can restructure it easily. I was working, you know, doing the cap calculator on over the cap. Like they restructure Bayard or Tannehill's deal. Boom, they got enough cap space. Yeah, but. Next year, they're only $10 million under. You got Derrick Henry's guarantees are up. You're going to have to restructure Tannehill's deal. You're going to have to restructure Julio. And I think A.J. Brown's in what his – it's almost contract time for him. Yeah, it's almost – con- they, they're going to have to start talking with him. If he has an R year like he did, they better pay him because he's yeah. going to say, I want to be the top dollar guy. Uh, and he will have earned it. It. Oh, no, he's going on his third season. But, yes, I mean – But is, you're going to have to start talking about it. Yep, next year. Yeah. So you're looking at contract extensions. And also Landry, you, you can't forget about Harold Landry. This is this is his this is free agent year because he was a second round pick. Because everybody there's and he's the, the better com- between him and Dupree. And, and there's some in the Browns community that has are still saying, Why'd we draft Austin Corbett when we could have Harold Landry to pair up with Miles Garrett? I wanted him so bad. Yeah, I know. hey, I remember Jeff Floyd. Jack Duffin. I when he Steven fell out Thomas, of the first like, round, I was like, yeah. I might want to sprint to the podium for him right now. 
Right. Even though I wanted a running back, I was like, I might sprint to the podium. He he and Miles could be ooh. Yeah. Yikes. But but boy. I'm I'm gonna need Austin Corbett. Who has I'm a football guy. Who turned into a good player for the Rams. He just wasn't here. Frey didn't know how to use him. Uh, oh boy. Who was our offensive line coach? Who was that guy? Was oh, said Hut. Said Hut. Damn, I forget his Wiley. name. Wiley. Wiley. Yes. Yeah, Bob Wiley. Oh, my God. I love him. And then he trashed uh, I want. I, I hope he's okay wherever he is. I yeah, love him. He trashed Freddie, and we all said that dude didn't know what he was talking about, and he was just bitter because he got fired. Oh, um, God. Uh, Bob Wiley knew what he was talking about. I think about. Bob Wiley. Oh, Bob Wiley knows what he's talking about. That is hard knocks legend, Bob Wiley. Oh, hard knocks. God, you, you, you think these boys ran across Normandy and they did their stretching? No, none of this sissy stuff. No, 77 years ago, they did not do their stretching that's, today. That's right. They, they ran straight onto the fields of Normandy, <laughs> right the into the barrage of machine gun bullets and were shot uh, down and they took over Normandy. Guys, when Alex God, said I, I, that we I, don't I, take ourselves seriously, it's stuff like this is why we don't take ourselves seriously. I really should do motivational speeches before a football game. Oh, my God. They stormed the beaches, and they took down the dirty Germans. Well, the Nazis. Oh, my God. You sound like Vince McMahon now, dude. You're fired. Oh my god! Uh, which is what he said this week to multiple wrestlers. Oh, and I have no god. idea what he's doing. That's Anyways, an, that's another podcast in itself. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> AEW. Oh wait, sorry. Uh, <laughs> back on back on football. Uh, do you think the Titans have reached that upper echelon of AFC contenders with the Chiefs, Browns, and Bills? Offensively, yes. Defense. I'm waiting to see what they do. Because I mean, that's where I'm at too. They got rid of clown. The clowny walked. They cut Adoree Jackson. Like they're they they made moves, but it's just their secondary is getting older. Byard, Malcolm Butler. It's like waiting to see. We'll see. So we'll yeah we'll definitely. See. But I would rank them fourth behind Kansas City, Cleveland, Buffalo, and then ahead of Baltimore. Indianapolis, etc. All right, then. Well, I don't have them there yet. I think I have them right there as that next team. Uh, then I have Baltimore uh, as the fifth best team in the AFC. Uh, I think their defense, there's a lot of question marks here. A lot of question marks on Baltimore's side. Uh, the fact they didn't get Julio. Thank God. Ooh, hey, dodged Alex, a bullet. Real quick. Because we are a Browns podcast. Knowing what you know now about what the what Atlanta got back, what Tennessee gave up. If you were Cleveland, would you have made the deal for Julio yes. Jones? Okay, so would yes. I. Yes, not even not even a question. I'll just make it work. Exactly. Um. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought we probably would have had to cut somebody, and everybody knows who we probably would have had to cut. But I still would have made the deal. If it meant Jarvis, I guess. At that price, honestly, I would have found a way to trade Jarvis 
instead. I don't know what you're going to get for him because I don't know what team would have taken him on at that price tag. I would have taken a mid-late round pick for Jarvis. Probably. Well, we give up a four. We give up a four and a seven to get him. Like if they would have got a five. A three. We we actually gave up a three. How we get? No, we gave up a three for Tyrod. Oh, no, because we gave up the pick that we got. I thought we Andy. had two threes and we traded them, but yeah. no, we got the pick we got for Andy Lee was part of the deal for Jarvis Andrews. Ah, okay, that's Sashi right. Sashi be praised. Yes, Sashi be praised today. <laughs> Have you not heard the gospel of Sashi Brown? Yes, I tell you, he is our Lord and Savior. So bow down and pray to the Sashi isms. Yes, okay. He showed up again this week. The pastor showed up. Yes, he so, did. We're, so we're praised. So anyways, uh, to finish out the show today, uh, by the way, I got to say this. One, one quick thing on Twitter. I see Hiram Boyd saying the Browns need a franchise QB. Says the guy who said Baker Mayfield was a franchise QB at Oklahoma. Listen, I've learned this because he does this every time. Hiram's making fun of the fan base by doing this. Because he was doing this when Manziel was a franchise quarterback. He's doing it to get a rise out of people, and he's making fun of the fans. And, 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 and to think Andy keeps saying, you need to have Hiram on your show. I probably would strangle. I will say Hiram did a great job when he was on with Garrett Bush like a month or so ago. Oh, like, God. I liked it. And I told him I liked it, but I never got a response back because Hiram says I don't know what I'm talking about. So Fair enough, fair enough. Anyway. I don't know what I'm talking about, so that's – we, we don't take ourselves seriously here. So right. he'd be perfect. Yes. Uh, invitations open. Anyways, to end the show, we're doing our top 10 all-time Browns QBs. So last week, we did our Browns, uh, our Browns 75th anniversary team. We did four positions when we were going to do two because uh, we just got carried away. So now we need filler pretty much. <laughs> It shows you how seriously we're taking the show. We're trying to find a filler segment so we don't do the 75th anniversary team too quickly. Gosh, darn it. Um, but a lot of quarterbacks were left out, and I felt like we should talk about it. Uh, we always talk about who the worst QBs in Browns history are, and we'll do an infamous 75th anniversary team. We've already said that uh, Johnny Manziel and Spurgeon Wynn are going to be the quarterbacks of that team. And I honestly think when Madden comes out, we are going to make an infamous Browns team of created players. What do you mean we? I'm going to do it. Okay, you do it. I ain't got time for that. I'll, I'll stream the damn game. I'll be like, there we the go. greatest Browns versus the infamous Browns. But here's the, here's the catch, though. Here's the catch. Johnny Manziel is going to be a 99 overall. <laughs> <laughs> that's about as funny as seeing the there was a uh like a my 2k like they have their little card system and i saw a 96 overall chanting fry chanting i love you but that's the cl- that's the only time you'll be a 96 overall. no i'm gonna put him at 99 overall but like you're gonna have edin nobi etchamandu uh you're gonna have ben gay all these guys at like 50 overalls the wide receivers are gonna be like jawan dawson at like a 60 overall like he's got no one to throw to no one to hand the ball to the o-line is probably going to be uh 
Uh, Cam Irving, rookie edition. So he's going to be a 61 overall left tackle. Uh, let's see who else is going to be on that team. Yeah. Oh, God. It, it's going to be a train wreck, dude. We might have to give him the 1999 Browns O-line. That was so bad for Tim Couch. Oh, God. And give him all low ratings. Miles Garrett's going to have like 10 sacks in this game. Johnny's going to be running for his life. It's going to be great be like 99 overall and you still can't do shit there you go anyways uh i have the list up here though of the top 10 uh browns quarterbacks uh i haven't even made my own list that's how that's how seriously we take ourselves on this show um spitball it oh we're spitballing for sure my dude uh oh shoot i was looking for a post-it note this is actually kind of relevant in my life right now uh (laughs) i will not say why I will not say why. Uh, okay, Mac. No matter what, and not that, but you, right. yeah, kind of a degree. Yeah. Okay. So I'm doing. I'm writing it down as we go. So Jack, why don't you start number ten on your list? Ooh. Um. All right. Let's see. Because I have a. I'm putting together a list right now, and I have six. So, uh, let's go. Number ten. I'm gonna say. You know, I'm gonna say my boy Brian Hoyer. The only okay. Browns starting quarterback since 99 with a winning record. People can knock him all in once for what he's done before he got to Cleveland, after he got to Cleveland. But he had some pretty good games as a starting quarterback for the Browns. Um, you know, pretty bad how the ending turned out for him here. Um, who knows how long he would have stayed had Ray Farmer not sent a text message that why he wasn't that he was forced to send. Uh, but I liked Hoyer. I thought he got a bad rap at times. He did have some good games, and obviously the record stands for itself. So I'll mark him down as my number 10 quarterback of all Yeah, time. I'm kind of like going backwards as I'm doing this. <laughs> um, I actually have Hoyer rated much higher. Well, not okay. much higher. Um, number 10 for me, I'm going to kind of go off the wall. Uh, Kelly Holcomb. Uh, Kelly Holcomb, uh, because now is this all time or since 99 all time. Okay. Uh, so I actually think I just finished it. Uh, yes, I have just finished it. So, uh, number 10, I got Kelly Holcomb. Uh, so again, Holcomb. Yeah. Was a backup quarterback. Yeah. He didn't have like the most starts for a Browns quarterback, but that performance that first half against the Steelers is an all-time legend uh, performance. Yes. He went four and eight. I I get it. I really get it, but it was literally between him and Derek Anderson. And I cannot justify putting Derek Anderson in here for the way he choked down the stretch. Like, I just can't. And he he was a one-year wonder. Kelly Holcomb was a solid quarterback. It wasn't like he was a great quarterback, but he isn't the worst we've ever had. He's in that average category. And it goes to show how 20 years of bad quarterback play can actually hold down an entire list of quarterbacks because Kelly Holcomb's my number 10 quarterback of all time. So that's who I got at 10. Uh, Do you have a number nine? Because I got number nine. Um, you, uh, I'm like stuck right now. So if you want to go ahead and do your number nine. I'll... Number nine is Vinny Testaverde. Uh, That's who so, I was thinking, honestly. Yeah. So Vinny on this list, 
look, I, I almost put Hoyer here. Actually, Hoyer's my eight. Um, I'm which actually switching mine. Which uh, Vinny is not my number nine, but we'll okay. talk about him at some point. But Vinny, he led the Browns to their last playoff victory until this year. A lot of people give Bill Belichick flack about cutting Bernie Kosar, but when he got Vinny Testaverde and, he, and Vinny got the Browns to where they need to go, Vinny was a good quarterback and a rightful successor to Bernie Kosar. It wasn't like Bill Belichick did not know what he was doing. He got a younger version of Bernie. That's what he was doing. That's all he was doing. And the stats show he was 16 and 15. Granted, he was part of the rebuilding Belichick era. Imagine if he had seen it through, like we talked about in what if the Browns had never moved, Vinny would have been around two more years and would have been fairly successful, but it wouldn't have been like he had bad years. It just, the team wasn't ready. 47 touchdowns, 37 interceptions, 58% completion percentage, 80.9 QB rating. I mean, he was a good quarterback for the Browns and a rightful successor to uh, Bernie Kosar. So number nine for you, are you going Vinny? I'm going Gary Danielson. This is, this is kind of off the wall. And a lot of people will be like, well, if you look at the number of other quarterbacks, why, what is Danielson? match up to you look at some of the top rated passers in Brown's history a lot of them threw interceptions so if they threw as many interceptions as touchdowns I'm kind of bumping them you know what I completely missed somebody and I can't believe I'm doing this Alex I missed Tim Couch and like I don't know how dare you I'm on drugs today clearly Tim Couch might as well put Brandon Whedon on your list damn it listen I already got slack before the episode about being a I know that's why I brought it up Okay, Tim Couch is going to be my number nine. I am so sorry, Tim Couch. I hope you're not listening. He's higher on my list. Okay, but he's he's going to be number nine on mine. My only thing with him, as much as you know, I defend Tim Couch and not call him a bust, he did throw more interceptions than touchdowns, which is why I have him a Because bit. he had no whole line. That's fair. That's fair. But he was a solid quarterback. He should have had more to protect him. He did have solid weapons around him, despite the lack of a running game at times. William Green, Lee Suggs. You um, gotta wait until his fourth year to get a running back. That's true. Maybe and maybe I'm James Jackson, Travis Brent is Ben Gay, yeah. Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Maybe I should have Terry Kirby. Higher. I'm being a really idiot right Eric now. Eric Brett. Yeah. Do I need I've... to go on about yeah. how many shitty running backs this man had? Okay, you know what? This is what we'll do because I'm completely botching this list we'll flip couch put him seven we'll put testaverde nine you defended or you spoke highly of testaverde enough let's just move on with the list all right (laughs) number eight brian hoyer i put him Uh, at eight that's fire so brian hoyer i mean like for what he did with that team just the sheer effectiveness for being 10 and 6 as a starter uh, for what he did the year before, before his injury, I think the, that whole season would have ended completely differently had Brian Hoyer not have torn up his knee. Yeah, I honestly think Brian Hoyer would have stopped the Browns picking Johnny Manziel because, number one, I think Chud, his job is saved. I think Banner and company, their jobs are saved, and they liked Hoyer. 
They wanted it. It was basically Sonny Weaver Jr. You know, I'm going to do what's best for the team. I'm going to stick with my quarterback. I think the Browns, honestly, you want to what? That is a great alternate Browns history. Yes. If Brian Hoyer never tears his ACL, I'm going to start looking into that. I really am. I, I promise you guys, that's one coming soon. That is definitely one coming soon. Um, because I think it changes where the Browns pick. I think it changes who they pick. And I also believe they don't pick a quarterback until later. And the mm. Browns, no, I think it's a second, third round quarterback again. I could see them still drafting a quarterback late first, maybe second round, but then it wouldn't be Johnny Menzel. It would be Carr, yeah. maybe Bridgewater, because, maybe Garoppolo. Because they would have probably targeted Teddy like the $100,000, you know, study said. Or they do what Shanahan wanted, and that was Garoppolo or – I think he liked Teddy too. I can't remember. He liked Teddy, sure. yeah. 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 But, yeah, I mean – Just saying. Uh, but it changes a lot. It does change uh, a lot. Number seven. Do you have a number seven? At number eight. I'm at number oh, eight. Oh, you're at number eight. Okay. So and number this, eight for you. Derek Anderson. Like, this is oh. the, quarter, the quarterback of the Browns when I first became a fan. Uh, 2007, what a magical season. Um, going to the Pro Bowl, the Browns go, win, go 10 and five with him. Uh, it didn't work out ultimately because they tried to flip flop him and Brady Quinn after that. Uh, spelled in for Romeo and Chud and Phil Savage. But I mean, Derek Anderson, that was incredible that year. That, that's another alternate Browns universe thing I need to explore. What if the Browns had traded Brady Quinn? They could have had a first-round pick in 08 for him. They could have recouped that pick that they gave up. They could have. Yep, because the articles are out there. Minnesota was offering up their number one, and this was before all the Brett Favre stuff. That, they but, were like yeah. mid-first. They were mid-first. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, Derek Anderson, I mean, who would have known? Who knows what would have happened had he just been – they paid him and say, you're the starting quarterback. Don't worry about Brady Quinn. You had Braylon. You had Kellen Winslow. You had Jamal Lewis for a couple more years. You had a great offensive line in front of you. You had to work on that defense. But, you know, if Derek Anderson, you know, if there's no pressure on his back, who knows what he, he could have been. But the talent was there. The arm was amazing. I mean, the numbers don't say it, but Derek Anderson was a solid quarterback for the Browns. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll give you that. So my number seven was Testa Verde. So go ahead with your number seven. I went uh, Milt Plum okay. with this. Uh, if you look at the stats, one of the highest QB ratings of any Browns quarterback ever, uh, 33 and 16, the quarterback from 1957 through 1961. We had him in consideration last week for our 75th anniversary team. Again, playing in a different time, but again, a worthy successor. He had to fill the gosh darn role of Otto Graham and did it beautifully. Uh, so I got to give him a lot of credit uh, and a lot of praise. And number seven, I feel like is very fitting for Milt Plum here. Yeah, I had Milt Plum number six. I mean, you mentioned filling Otto Graham's shoes isn't easy, but he did a solid job. Uh, his last two seasons with the Browns, he went 15, eight and two as a starter, went to the Pro Bowl both years and Combined years, 39 touchdowns, 15 interceptions in a league at the time wasn't a big passing attack offense. So, and he threw for 4,600 yards in that yeah. those two years. I mean, and lead, led the league in completion percentage. So, uh, accurate thrower and filled the shoes nicely and, you know, passed the torch to Frank Ryan, who I'm sure we'll talk about later on in this list. 
We definitely will. Yes. Because uh, he made our 75th anniversary team. That's right. Congratulations to Frank Ryan. Um, but uh, at number six, and I'm going to get flagged for this, Tim Couch. Look, I'm going to bring this up because all I'm going to say is there is a universe where the Browns do take that deal with the Saints. They move back up and they go get Tim Couch. And it works out beautifully for them. Like beyond beautifully. The man never had an O-line. The man never had a running game. It took two years for them to actually build a competent receiving core. And in a, in a league where the, you know, expansion rules were so construed against the Browns because the Jags and Panthers came in a league and both went to the championship game in their second year and everybody was scared the Browns would do the same thing. They basically put the Browns as a guinea pig for the next set of expansion rules, then fixed it for the Texans because, oh, sorry, we, we were too harsh on the Browns. Never got a goddamn comp one for that bullshit, but hey, whatever. I think the Browns should have because if they said, you know what, we were too strict on the Browns and look how much they've suffered, you should have gotten a comp one for that, quite honestly. Um, at least by the, the third year when the Texans were coming into the league. Uh, that's just me saying something. Um, but in terms of what Couch did, it's admirable. I, you have to say that no QB in their right mind, you know, finds a way to get this team to where it was with the weapons they had. Sure, he threw more interceptions and touchdowns, only three more. Um, he still almost threw for 60% of his passes, 59.8%. Sure, he had a 22 and 37 record. I don't think that matters as much to me because he really did the best he could with the weapons around him. And the Browns were a very efficient team by the end of that run. It was just Kelly Holcomb emerged and the fans wanted Holcomb and it got in his head. And plus his arm died, which is such a sad story because in the right scenario with the right O-line, if you watch that Kentucky tape, Tim Couch is special at Kentucky beyond special. Like I've seen the clips of him at Kentucky compared to Akili McNabb and Culpepper, the two best quarterbacks on their tapes. Granted UCF is not in as strong of a conference as it is today. It's not even close. Tim couch and Dante Culpepper had the best collegiate tape. Akili threw the prettiest ball but I could sense something on the tape just was off. And if you look at his study tape with the Browns, he, he really wasn't an X's and O's guy. He really wasn't couch couch in that whole thing that they're talking about with Chris Palmer there. Tim's breaking that thing down like a pro you're getting Bernie Kosar, like vibes of, Ooh, he knows his shit, man. Mm -hmm. You know, and you don't see it beyond, you know, with Culpepper and McNabb because it's quickly determined they're not in the picture, which we'll get to that later in a future alternate Browns universe. Um, but the Culpepper stuff, oh God, 
in his workout that you see there. Oh my God. <laughs> Damn, oozing out of Culpepper. Just sorry. It's one of the best tapes I've ever seen. Um, but Couch, though, you watch some of those games at Kentucky and you just see what he did with that team. <sighs> he should have been special. He should have been. But it wasn't for an expansion team. And there was a reason why everybody hyped up Tim Couch as an R. Peyton Manning. Chris Mortensen, there's a video saying, you know, we always hype up this next guy. And Tim Couch is that guy. This is a year before the draft. Tim Couch was that guy. And the tape doesn't lie. He just was in an, he was just not in the best situation for him to succeed. It happens. It happens with a lot of great QBs that are uber talented and they don't go to the right place and it just doesn't work. He Schuler, outstanding talent at Tennessee. The worst possible system for him to go to was Washington, a team that needed an accurate quarterback, not an athletic West Coast type guy. And Gus Farratt, a seventh round pick was better than him. I just threw a wild card one out there because it just happened. Right. So, I mean, you could sit here and say, well, you know, Johnny could have worked out if he was in New England. And you want to know what? I'll sit here and say this. If Johnny was in New England, I think Johnny's okay. Because Bill would have drawn the line. He needed that influence. He never had that influence. I think Bill would have said, I believe in your talent. You're going to succeed, Tom Brady. But if you even screw up, you're out. And that's the kind of thing Johnny needed. Yeah. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. That's the way life is. So that's the way it is in the NFL. And that's why I'm with Tim Couch. Sorry, that was a long rant, Tim Couch. You're good. Jack, uh, you said you're number six already, I think. Uh, my number six was Milt Plum. Okay, so we're on to number five. So number five for me is Brian Sipe. Same here. Okay. So I think I mean... ours are going to be fairly similar from here on out. I would think so. Yes. Yeah. So Saip, I mean, I don't think he gets as much recognition unless you are, are the generation of our dads and our grandpas because they remember Brian Saip more than we would. But, oh, yeah. I mean, you look at Saip. He was the, the last Cleveland Brown to be an MVP of the league was Brian Saip. You go look at his 1980 numbers, 30 touchdown passes, over 4,000 yards, through 14 interceptions. I think that was the cardiac kids year. They went 11 yeah. and five. And of course he always gets remembered for red, right? 88, which wasn't his fault. It was uh Tigliano's fault. I mean, he had a solid three year run from 78 to 80, where he was a great quarterback in this league, 79 touchdown passes two fifty-five interceptions. But then the bottom started to fall out in 81. He led the league in interceptions that year, 82. He only played six games. I'm assuming it was an injury. And then 83, he had 26 touchdowns to 23 interceptions. And then he bolted for the USFL. Great, great quarterback. Not as great as the other four that we're going to mention, but Sype nope. belongs in the mix when you talk about some of the best quarterbacks to ever play for the Cleveland Browns. And he yeah. deserves to be in the top five. Oh, for sure. no, no doubt about it. I mean, Sype deserves it. He's well earned it. And he is beloved in this fan base. And that's rightfully earned. I think fans have gotten over Red Right 88 with him. Um, and like, I have no ill will to him because I wasn't even 
thought of in 1980. So it was my dad blames Ritigliano. So no, yeah, I mean any any sane Browns fan that was there at the time would say my dad, it wasn't we were at an site. event once where Sam Ritigliano was at. And my dad said, you know, I almost want to walk up to Reticliano and ask, why did you throw the ball instead of kick it? I was like, don't, especially please, in the please don't don't ask him right now in the deep freeze cold along Lake Erie. Why would you throw in that? Situation? Well, his Granted, argument probably might be it was cold. It was windy. I'm not putting Cockcroft in that uh, serious in true. that scenario. And that's fair, so, too. But yeah, I mean, and line it up, line it, it up and give yourself the best shot you or run it. I mean, weren't the Pruitts like yeah? Great I, I, running well, that's what I was that saying. Run the ball, line yourself up. But if they run it in, they run it in. Exactly. So, um, see, so yeah, I have Brian Sipe too. Uh, but number four, uh, who do you got here? I have Bernie. Same. Okay. okay perfect. We're, so I feel uh, like we're in agreement the rest of the way. I don't know. Two and three might be where. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we've we've talked about Bernie. You know. Was he a good quarterback in his time? Yes. He was, he? but he was a great game. Yes. Again, I'm not going to well, do it again. Is he a good quarterback? Yes. In terms of the top 10 80s quarterbacks, we go through ML, NFL Network's uh, top 10. He's ranked number six. And that's fair. That's fair for me. Because, I, again, I cannot sit here and put Bernie on the same pedestal as Browns fans because, again, he just. I just don't see the special. I just, you want to hear something crazy though? Zagura was on with Jake Burns on OBR Film Breakdown. Highly recommend you guys go listen to that episode. Zagura grew up in the Bay Area. He said the love 49ers fans have for Montana and those teams in the 80s is nothing compared to the love that Browns fans have for their 80s team. Because, because but Bernie because was Bernie, from here. Yes, and that's why. Bernie was LeBron James before LeBron James. And that's, I mean, he chose to come here and send Minnesota. And you know what? Who would have done that in 1985? Not too many. I people. really, I really cannot wait for that alternate Browns universe where the Browns get <laughs> Kelly Marino and blow oh, everybody's minds and go You're like, gonna, no, we're going to lose our, this. No! we're going to lose our listenership because oh, they're all going to die. They're all going to be like, oh, no, don't do this, Alex. But I mean, no, you got to have to hear how bad the ramifications are to talk about Bernie, though. He it's was not good. Bernie's fault. Right. He was good for what he was. That's he all took I'm the saying. To three AFC title games in four years. Granted, yes, there was a great defense there. Yes, you had Biner and Mack. You had great receivers. You had Ozzie in the twilight of his career. But Bernie did the job. 87, went to the Pro Bowl, completed 62% of his passes, 22 touchdowns, nine picks. The year before, they went 12 and four, almost 4,000 yards, 17 touchdowns, 10 picks. Four fourth quarter comebacks, six game winning drives. Bernie was Bernie when he was healthy. Obviously, you know, the injuries took their toll towards the end. The diminishing skills that Belichick saw, he got cut, went to Dallas, won a Super Bowl. The rest is history. But Bernie deserves his praise. Bernie deserves his love. He belongs in the top five for sure. We have him at number four, and we'll move on to number three, Alex. Who is on your end? Baker. Uh-oh. Okay. I got we Frank get, Ryan. That's fine. I have to stand up for Baker, but go ahead with your... We're not disrespecting Baker. Yes, you are, damn it. Okay, here we go. Don't but, you I dare mean, disrespect my client. <laughs> Here's my thing with Baker. I'm not ready to put him over guys that won championships yet. 
Baker's talent is immense. We're not, I'm not going to disagree with that. What Baker's done here in three years on the field and off the field has been phenomenal. He has turned the Browns from the dumpster fire of the league into a Super Bowl contender. And if you would have told me that five years ago, that the Browns would be a Super Bowl contender by 2021, I would have called you crazy and laughed in your face. Well, I but, tried to tell you when Baker was coming to town, but you know, y'all didn't want to listen. That's and that's fair. You did say that. But what Baker Baker's, is the best. When Baker's numbers are comparable to Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Dan Marino, like he's in line right now to the start of his career with Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Will he continue to do that? Only time will tell. Baker's already inserted himself into the top five QBs in Brown's history. He's in the top three. He's in the top three. And guess what? If he gets us to the Super Bowl and wins, even if he gets us there. No, if he, he wins jump. it, he's, I, I love Otto Graham. He surpasses Otto. But because of what the Browns were. Because yes, of absolutely. what, because of the climb to get there. But you have him number two. He would jump to number two if he gets us to the, if he gets us to the AFC title game this year, I might jump him to number two. Fair like enough. That, because the talent's there. He's putting up incredible numbers. The team loves him. The city loves him. I mean, it's just like Baker's already top three. If he wins the Super Bowl, he obviously would jump to number two at least. I don't know if he could ever jump to number one. If he wins a couple of Super Bowls, then that debate will definitely become real. I think if he wins one, the debate will always rage. <clears throat> I think if he even wins one. Knowing Browns fans today, you're probably right. Oh, I know I'm right because I know Browns fans. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so for me, Frank Ryan, yes, he won the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm well, sorry, the NFC, the NFL championship. Uh, he almost got to the Super Bowl. He almost got to it. Um, but here's the thing. He doesn't have a great completion percentage. He's not as prolific of a passer, technically. Um, but then again, it is a different time frame. He did have some wideouts. He had Collins and Warfield still only threw 51% of his passes. So you can say that and nitpick. For me, I'm standing up for my client here because Frank Ryan walked into a situation where it was pretty much a great team. And yes, you were transitioning from Paul Brown to Blanton Collier and all those guys, but you had Jim Brown, you had Warfield, you had Collins, you had these weapons already. Baker had nothing. Baker was coming off one and 31. And it was basically what? One thirty-three and one when he came into the game against the Jets. And ever since that day, the Browns have been 23 and 22. To do what he's done, even with the down year of 2019, there ain't a damn thing you can say to convince me that Josh Allen would have done this. Lamar Jackson would have done this. Sam Darnold would have done this or Josh Rosen. All of them would have been busts. And I'm going to say this for the millionth time to Cleveland. If you really think Josh Allen, who was a project coming out of Wyoming, would have survived three off, I'm sorry, three or four offensive coordinators now, how many do we have? We has Baker had four Haley kitchens, Van Pelt three, because I'm not counting Hugh. Okay. And I'm not counting Munkin because. Okay. So he's gone through three offensive coordinators. Truly. 
And if you're really or, if you're yeah. really telling me Josh Allen, who needed work as a passer to work on his mechanics, would have survived, you're out of your fucking mind. He wouldn't have survived. He would have overthrown every receiver. We would have hated his guts. We would have blown this thing up again by now. We probably would have been in the conversation to go get uh, Justin. We probably would have had Justin Fields today. Justin Fields would probably be the Browns quarterback right now, but we wouldn't have Odell Beckham. Jarvis Landry would be wanting out for the most part because Adam Gase was right. And Cleveland is a dumpster fire. So again, you're starting over. The only one who may still want to be here is Nick Chubb. And God knows if Nick Chubb's the same running back without a Baker Mayfield. Let's go to Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has been nothing special. He's been an average QB. If anything, he would have survived, been average. You're still getting Justin Fields. Josh Rosen, complete bust. You would have been drafting a quarterback. You've been hunting for Kyler Murray the next year, maybe even another quarterback the following year. I can't guarantee that Lamar Jackson. I don't see how it would have worked. I don't see it. I mean, he's a great player. There's no doubt about it. Like is Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson transforming their offense to help Lamar Jackson? No, No. the answer is no. And that's where the problem is. And as a passer, he needed work. He went to a perfect system for him. Remember how I talked about system QBs earlier? He went to a perfect system for himself. Baker Mayfield is the only quarterback from that class that could have done what he's done for this team. And to do it in the way that he has in three seasons from one 33 and one all the way now to talking about a Super Bowl appearance. I have to put him at two. No one could have done what he done. he's done. Frank Ryan, I'm, don't get me wrong, it's a different time, but I can't sit here and say Frank Ryan would have done it. I can't sit here and say Bernie would have done it. I can't sit here and say Otto could have done it. I don't think there's many quarterbacks in the world that could have had the chutzpah to actually take this team from dumpster fire to Super Bowl contender the way Baker has done. And it was the reason why I wanted Baker. He had that moxie that was arrogant, but a confident arrogance. He spoke it into existence. Exactly. The infamous combine quote. If anybody's going to turn the Cleveland Browns around, it's going to be me. And it it wasn't even cockiness. It was the media laughed at him. And Old Hammer and Rizzo were on Radio Row in Indy, and they laughed at him and mocked him for it. And and they still, and now they want to turn their faces and say, oh, he's so great. No, keep talking to your buddy Bernie there, Rizzo. Keep kissing Bernie's ass because he took you to all the clubs in the 1980s and continue showing your radio bias. We know who you really appreciate, Bernie. You don't appreciate Baker, you don't deserve Baker. We deserve Baker because those of us knew what he was capable of doing. We saw what he was trying to say. It wasn't a I'm the best QB. It's I want this challenge. I know I can do it. I see I can do it. And he's done it. And he's not going to stop until he shuts every hater up. There's something to be said about the guy 
who wants it so bad, he won't stop until he shuts every hater up. That's Baker Mayfield. That's what drives him is that you can say it's a bad thing to have, you know, this drive because of the haters. I say it's a good thing. It gives you something to fight for. Baker has something to fight for every freaking day that he wakes up and he doesn't take it for granted. That's why he's number two. He's done the near impossible and just turned it around. So that's why he's my number two. And obviously number one, not even debate Otto. I mean, our starting quarterback for our 75th anniversary team, it should be the only pick uh, for Browns fans when it comes to it, though, I really, really think that, you know, it, when it comes down to the nitty gritty, Baker's going to make the team over Frank Ryan. I think so. But again, there is nothing wrong with that. Uh, Otto Graham, one of the greatest quarterbacks who ever lived. And we talked about last week. So just listen to last week's ep- episode to hear what we said about Otto Graham. But that's our, that's my top 10 which is Holcomb, Vinny Testaverde, Brian Hoyer, Milt Plum, Tim Couch, Brian Sight, Bernie Kosar, Frank Ryan, Baker Mayfield, and Otto Graham. Jack, what were your top 10 again? It was Hoyer. This is going from 10 to 1 yeah. for both of us, but it was Hoyer, Couch, Anderson, Testaverde, Plum, Sight, Kosar, Mayfield, Ryan, and Graham. And there you go, guys. Those are our top 10 Browns QBs of all time. We might do a couple more positions. Again, it was, we realized we basically did all the positions pretty much in one week. And we're like, yeah, we we need to push this back another week. Right. Uh, Unfortunately, there were things to talk about. So Um, anyways, uh, any final thoughts for this week, Jack? Uh, No, not really. Just um, voluntary is voluntary. Voluntary is voluntary. I dig it. Um, before we go, uh, Jack, let them know how they can follow you uh, and where they can find you. At. You can follow me on Twitter at Jack McCurry08. Uh, check out thedogland.com and keep an eye on the Dogland podcasts and working on something for this week because we haven't done a podcast over there in a while. So uh, working on something there. So just stay tuned. And you can follow me at the CLE Sports Guy. You can follow the Top Dogs at the Top Dogs. Next week, we will unveil our offensive linemen and defensive linemen for sure for our 75th anniversary. Actually, you want to what? We'll just do offensive line. Just offensive line. Because um, that could be that's going to be an episode in of itself because there's probably. a lot of debating going to be involved there. Yep. So stay tuned for that. Uh, again, make sure if you like the show, Please leave a rating. Please leave a review uh, if you enjoyed it. If you didn't enjoy it, tell us why. We're open to criticism. Again, we don't we don't take this show very seriously, but if we want to make it better for you guys, we're going to do that for you. So make your uh, your listening experience a little bit more enjoyable. We hope you enjoyed your flight with us here on the Top Dogs, and we will talk to you next week. Until then, we are out.